Hey, it's Tom. This episode of Social Distance Warriors was recorded on May 26th. That was only a day after the brutal murder of George Floyd by members of the Minnesota Police Department. And at the time of recording, it wasn't yet apparent just how much the aftermath of that murder was going to take over the public discourse. Since it's a little bit odd to be releasing an episode right now that doesn't discuss police violence against communities of color, and black people specifically, Rachel and I wanted to let you know up front that even though it's not discussed in this episode, we'll be speaking more about it in an upcoming episode. For now, suffice to say that we are angry and sad and that black lives matter. Welcome to Social Distance Warriors, a podcast about whatever um, the whole, you know, the, you, you, you know what it is. Whatever we're doing now. Yeah, the whole pandemic thing, I guess, um, and the disease and the virus and, and, all, and all that stuff. My name is Tom, and I'm not an expert, and you shouldn't trust anything I say. <laughs> um, my name is Rachel, and you can trust some things I say, but nothing I say when it's about, uh, you know thing. Mm, yeah. I uh, I made an actively false claim on last week's episode. Oh boy. Um what what was that claim? Can we even trust you now to identify it? Well, I don't know, but I um I, I parodied a thing about uh, about Sudafed which I found a Snopes article debunking it. Ah. But I put that in the show notes for the episode, so I hope that um gains me some absolution for my sins. <laughs> Okay, so we can't we can't my imaginings of Donald Trump's like Sudafed extra strength haze induced like Twitter ramblings. I I need to toss that away. Well, I don't know. I mean, at least you can't consider it to be as well substantiated as you may have. I can still it can be my Donald Trump head cannon, I guess, but <laughs> it's not canon. Yeah. Speaking of Donald Trump's tweets, something very interesting happened today with regard to those. Oh, um, um, I don't know. I don't know what it was. Well, yeah, it happened within the past hour or so as we record. <laughs> He tweeted something about how mail ballots are evil. You know, he's been on that for a while. And Twitter uh, actually annotated one of his tweets with a warning label that said, uh, click here to get the facts about mail-in ballots. All right, Twitter, four years into it. <laughs> All right. That, that is slightly newsworthy, yeah. Yeah, and it's not strictly related to the pandemic, but, uh, well, I guess it is because part of the initiative for mail-in ballots has to do with the fact that um, voting in person may be difficult or dangerous in certain places. So, so, yeah, I'm calling that one related. Yeah, it's definitely, like, not the way I thought the 2020 presidential election, not the way I thought, like, people could, would be disenfranchised, but it sure is another difficulty when it's, like, Everyone would be better off doing mail-in, and now suddenly mail-in is the enemy yeah. based on very little voter fraud. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's our what Donald Trump tweeted update. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, how, how have you been this week? Um, I've been doing all right. I'm trying to look at my little – I took notes. I took notes of – what I did this week. So I'm trying to see what there is fun. I got poison ivy. Oh. That's on the list. Um, because I was pulling weeds in my backyard, which is notorious for having the poison ivy. And I knew this would happen, but here I am. And I've made peace with it. But it is um 
one of those things where it's like you can never forget you have poison ivy because you're constantly i'm not contagious with it but it's like still i must must uh scratch yeah i've had poison ivy a couple times but i'm overall i'm pretty familiar with the whole um terrible itchy sensation just because i have eczema a lot mm-hmm. um and just because it's become warmer i i get it worse when it's warmer so i've had it more uh recently but huh. that's just what i live with so yeah, I can at least feel with poison ivy like I feel confident saying like it's it's my fault for mm. <laughs> for putting myself in that situation. But you just responding to the weather. Yeah, or something. I don't know. Like a barometer. <laughs> yes. So that's that's good. I, I mean, I know you mentioned in the previous episode that you were trying to be more um, out in nature with plants and and fungi. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, after reading Annihilation, I think it's good for me to like. I, I am an outdoorsy kind of person, and even though there's not a lot of places I can go, it is, I think, good for me to, like, I don't know, roll in the dirt and pull <laughs> weeds and garden. Uh, it's just a good a good thing to do. Yeah, these are good things. These are good things. I, yeah. I guess it's technically exercise, because it's, like, pulling weeds, then they're strong, uh, but I don't think of it as an exercise routine. I would think of it more as of like physical labor. <laughs> Un- yeah, unpaid physical labor that I uh, am doing and no one told me to. And in fact, my parents have told me to stop because oh. <laughs> because they're uh, aware that I will just go get poison ivy. Hmm. They've also told me to stop baking extreme amounts that I've been baking, but it's mostly in good fun. Mostly. <laughs> has, the, has there been like angry baking as well? Like, uh, I, I mean, the house is not overflowing with uh, like muffins at this point. Mm. But yeah, my mom and I do get into a like I'll bake a thing and then she'll say, don't bake that. And then she'll <laughs> bake a thing and then I'll eat it. Uh, <laughs> and the cycle continues. Oh. Hmm. Well, that sounds fun. <laughs> Sounds like a delicious cycle. It's something. Mm, yeah, this. I feel like this week I um. I feel like I've settled into some routines that are working for me. I feel like um a lot of the COVID anxiety. I don't know. I feel like I don't have as much of it as I as I previously did. Even though you know it still isn't actually getting much better out there. I think today or somewhere around today uh, we crossed the threshold of 100,000 deaths in the United States. Um, so like, it's not like things are, you know, things are getting better. It's just, I feel like I have, I have more fully adapted to my life as it is now. Yeah. I guess it's settled. I was going to make a, when you take a fish from the pet store and you have to acclimate them to the new water, uh, (laughs) comparison, but the water is our current global pandemic and we're swimming in it yeah uh, do you see yourself like able to make future plans um not like future plans that involve things i'd like to do after the pandemic but i mean i can make plans for the next couple of weeks like what i'd like to do like things i'd like to change about my routine or new things i'd like to introduce into my routine or things i'd like to get done um i can do that but i don't i can't really like plan for uh, like August or whatever. Mm. Are you doing that? Yes, it's sort of been, uh, a lot of those choices have been sort of made for me. Uh, so my family situation is that um, my sister is pregnant and probably going to have her baby in the realm of August. And one of the things my mom has done for my sister's previous children is uh, go and help out the first week or so after they're born 
which is something still planning to do, but is now somewhat more complicated because we live in different houses and haven't been seeing each other for the past few months. So my June, July, and August are kind of planned out for me. My household, we're kind of going to try and go into more of a stricter quarantine, especially for July up, up until aiming for like the 14 days before my mom uh, goes over to my sister's house that we will have <laughs> like been hermits and have had no direct contact. Like we've been going out to grocery stores and pharmacies and, you know, fast food every so often, but <laughs> it's going to be a lot stricter, which I'm a little sad about, but it's sort of like the choices out of my hands because I live here. Mm. Uh, so at least up until August, that's, I, I know, I guess I can make plans around that because there is a certainty there after August. Who knows? It's hmm. really hard, it feels like, to make future plans. Even though, like, this is this is all because we listen to TV news here. This is all the TV news we'll talk about is, like, what will open? What will close? What will we do in the fall? Uh, it's really hard to actually personally make those plans Hmm. that's yeah it's interesting because you'll be going into a more strict lockdown while your state is uh is opening up (laughs) yeah yeah uh the virginia news of the past uh couple weeks was our governor opened like we have phases so Mm -hmm. most of the state went into like our we can do some more things safer at home plan and then northern virginia which is my area was like, no, we should not do that. And they stepped back from the rest of Virginia. Then a few weeks happened. Now Northern Virginia is like, wait for me, Virginia, I want to open too. Uh, So yeah, (laughs) Uh, we're trending towards as a state, everybody, yeah, in the very American, like be individually accountable and it's your fault (laughs) if you are not taking care of yourself, even though we're not going to give the systems any incentive to take care of you. Yeah, we also have a phased approach. Um, And right now we're kind of in the middle of phase one, but there are like sub phases, I guess. I don't know. I haven't really been following it because regardless of what opens, I'm not going to be doing much stuff. So it doesn't really affect me. Yeah. I wonder who got to design. (laughs) Uh, I've seen like colors for some states, you know, like, like, almost like the heat scale colors and ours is sort of like phases of the moon or no moon doesn't come in four quarters it's <laughs> like four corners of a pie but it, yeah it is sort of a like fun i say fun it's sort of a nonsensical thing where we can talk about it but yeah for the foreseeable future it still doesn't really make sense uh to do anything different until there's like a vaccine or something. Are you are you working from home? Okay. So, <laughs> um, I am getting paid. I am not going into the agency except for once a week. To do your timesheet, right? I do my timesheet. I have legitimately no work to do, hmm. but I am putting in time and I have been told to continue to put in time. How are you spending that time that I you're putting am. in? <laughs> I, I, I like have to put in accountability like what I am doing. So I will put down I'm doing like office improvement hmm. webinars and 
I will look at those webinars, but I, I, I'm, I'm doing my life um, <laughs> and retaining what I can retain and, and just going forward. Fair. I, yeah, it, it doesn't give me much more structure to be from home because it's a sort of nothingness right now. Mm. Yeah, we're st- we're still remote, and I think um, the earliest we'd be allowed by the state to open would be. Well, I think next week we'd technically be allowed to, but I don't think they're going to. So, did your um, workplace? Uh, one thing, my mom's workplace. Uh, she is still working from home, but they're trying to open. They sent out a survey where it's like we're not going to ask you to come in if you're high risk. And you you can self-select sort of if you fit any of the high-risk categories. And then her company, they're like, okay, we're not even going to ask you to come in, in until way later and, you know, vaccine and when you can be less at risk. Hmm. Have they gotten that far at your workplace or? Well, no one's asked me. It could be possible <laughs> that someone has answered on my behalf. But yeah, I don't uh, know that there hasn't really been any concrete talk about that. I guess there might be some coming this week, but I haven't been paying attention, I guess, because I've been, I decided to take some vacation days, which feel kind of silly to me because I've been working from home. So now I'm just at home and not working um, when I'm still at the same desk that I work at. But I hadn't taken any of my paid vacation days since the pandemic began, but I figured, well, you know, Monday the 25th was a holiday and Wednesday the 27th is my birthday. So I figured I'd just give myself like a five-day weekend. Nice. But yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe, maybe there are discussions happening that I'm just not privy to because I haven't <laughs> been looking at my email. Yeah. Who knows what murmurings go on. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Did you solve a puzzle? Which was our action item. I did solve a puzzle. I solved many puzzles. Um, I replayed uh, the Portal and Portal 2 games this past week. Those are good. uh, They're full of the puzzles. And yeah, I've been playing more video games the past week. Uh, Maybe or maybe not as I'm listening to improving webinars Mm -hmm. for office uh, skills. Who can say? Who indeed can say? (laughs) Not I. The reason I was inspired to have solving a puzzle be the action item is, uh, have you seen this video of the quote unquote miracle Sudoku? I still have not. Yeah, it's a um, it's a video by on, on a YouTube channel by called uh, Cracking the Cryptic, which is basically just a guy solving a very difficult and complicated Sudoku puzzle. And it is one of the best things I've ever seen on YouTube. It's like 25 minutes long and it's just him. Uh, he like, I guess the, the whole shtick is like every week someone sends him like an absurd puzzle that has like weird stipulations or extra rules added on and he solves it and you can follow along or you can like pause the video and try to get ahead of him and like so he did this uh sudoku that has a bunch of extra rules but when he opens it up it's just uh there's only two numbers on the grid which is there's like a one and there's a two and it looks like it shouldn't be possible, but he is able to, um, and it's not even, I mean, it's, it's difficult, but it's not like, it's not like fiendishly difficult. It's just kind of like interesting and, and, and watching him, like he has this like great sort of commentary as he does it. And it's very, uh, I don't know. It's very uplifting. Are you like generally a, a math puzzle games kind of person or mostly like a spectator? I'm not really, um, well, I wouldn't consider Sudoku a math game because it has numbers, but you don't actually do math with the numbers. That's true. Like you could swap it out with letters or emojis or anything. It just has to be nine discrete symbols. So you don't actually do math operations with them. Um, I guess I do some math puzzles, but 
I don't I don't do a lot of them. I don't know. I, I go through phases where I will do a lot of Sudoku and other puzzles. But another thing that I've been doing a lot is sort of as like a uh, like a fidget thing. I have been solving Rubik's cubes. Ooh. A Rubik's cube is one of those things that's like incredibly difficult to solve if you don't know the tricks. But mm-hmm. like once you learn the tricks, it's like okay, well, it's very easy to solve and you're you're basically guaranteed to solve it within about 10 minutes as long as you have like learned the tricks to how to do it. There's really nothing to figure out. You just just do it. In that respect, it's kind of like just something you do with your hands, like like knitting. So like as I've been watching TV or listening to podcasts or on Zoom calls with my family or friends, I've just like been fidgeting with a, not instead of the three by three Rubik's cube, I do the four by four just because I like it. (laughs) And I just keep scrambling it and then solving it and then scrambling it and then solving it. And I don't, I don't get any actual intellectual satisfaction out of that, but, but, um, I don't know. It's just something to do with my hands. Yeah. I imagine it looks cool. This is like something I imagine, like not you, but like a comic book villain, (laughs) you know, instead of stroking a fluffy white cat, they could just like have their clever Rubik's cube out and menacingly be uh, solving it to the hero's doom. Yeah. It's funny because Rubik's cubes get um, like, I I feel like to people who don't know much about them, like the notion that like, oh, this person can solve a Rubik's cube seems like a thing that is impressive. But I mean, personally, like I feel like I have done a bunch of knitting and I've done a bunch of Rubik's cube solving and I consider them roughly equivalent in terms of like, you have to do the same series of repeated steps. You have to follow a pattern. And I think uh, the the supervillain in that case might as well just be knitting. I don't know a whole lot of knitting supervillains. I'm sure there are some. Yeah, there should be. Well, I, I sort of hold both of them, knitting and uh, Rubik's Cube, and anything that like requires that kind of patience and concentration. Like at some point you have to put in that start effort to kind of understand the language of I, I never mastered the Rubik's Cube, so I'm I don't know what the language of Rubik's Cube is, but for knitting it's like you have the pattern uh knit and purl and you can do funky stuff with it, but then you can make things and I think that's pretty powerful. But yeah, to me what is powerful about it is that it shows <laughs> to like at one point you had the patience to uh, sit there and be frustrated for however long and then learn how to how to solve the Rubik's Cube. And I I have not. So to me, that's pretty powerful still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the way I ended up doing it when I, I, I just decided at one point, I was like, you know, solving a Rubik's Cube is the kind of thing I feel like I should know how to do. And so I... Um, I got a cube and I just watched a bunch of YouTube videos about like, here's how you solve it. And I don't know, it probably took me four or five days, not like continuous days, but like spending, I don't know, like a half an hour a day for for four or five days in a row. And then I kind of memorized it. And then, and now I just do it to fidget with my hands. <laughs> I think about like our ancestors or really like, I don't know, 30 years ago before like YouTube, uh, or access to internet, like, you would have had to seek out a mentor, like, take a class or find some person with a Rubik's Cube on a mountain and, like, ask them to teach you. But now we have that power. Yeah. Be our own (laughs) guide. I mean, there are, like, there are, like, written explanations of how to do it, but they don't make sense to me. Like, oh, that's not Yeah, that's that's how I tried to learn. Uh, I feel better... (laughs) 
knowing it's nonsense. Yeah. I mean, like I can, now that I know it, I can read it and be like, oh yeah, I see how that translates to the things that I'm doing with my hand. But um, sometimes with the four by four Rubik's cube, you get into like weird, complicated algorithms. And sometimes like when I was first trying to go from the three by three to the four by four, I, I Googled the algorithms and I'm like, oh, I'll just look them up. And they just, they, my, my brain just doesn't want to digest it that way. So I'd rather just watch a person do it on YouTube and then kind of follow it. Yeah. So I've been solving puzzles left and right is what I'm saying. <laughs> which which portal game do you think is a better portal game? Um, portal, the first one is like, I, I played this time with they had developer, like the game maker's commentary at certain points. So it feels much more like a simple puzzle game. Mm. And like it is very like they're interested in teaching the player how to solve puzzles and, you know, progress on that route. And there's... Like, it's also there's a, a story element, but Portal 2 is like very much more of a story game. And there are puzzles and they're fun, but it, it seems so much bigger in scope and trying to give you uh, a story. Mm-mm. So, the one that is better, <laughs> I, I feel like I just wanted a puzzle game at first. So, for right now, um, I, I'm happy to have played the first one but because i've already played them both before it was nice to go back to a familiar story and also familiar puzzles and i could feel i guess kind of like with a rubik's cube you know how to solve i could feel like ah i'm very clever because i can solve this game room uh much faster than i would have on the first playthrough Mm, yeah i recently well i was about to say i recently played but the truth is i didn't play this is another game that i just watched a youtube playthrough (laughs) of because you feel you feel like you played yeah well i had previously played it and it's uh it's an adventure game called kentucky route zero and it's it's kind of an incredible game most of the times point and click adventure games are very puzzle based um but this one actually has no puzzles at all in it you just like walk around and choose different dialogue options and it's very melancholy and sad. And I don't know if it was the right choice for me to watch a playthrough of it in the current times because it's 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 very much about people ground down by capitalism and trapped into in, inescapable debts uh, and failed by systems, including and especially healthcare systems. And is, is this a, an American game? Yeah, it has Kentucky in it. Yes, yeah. So it, like it's very it's very much about life in America, I guess you'd say. Yeah. And there's a lot of like weird there's a lot of interesting like stuff about music and art and and stuff. Yeah, it's a it's a very good game that I would recommend to basically anyone, including people <laughs> who don't think of themselves as playing games, because there's almost no gameplay to speak of. It's literally just you have these conversations and then you you answer questions and the questions like it's not like, oh, you want to come up with the best answers to the questions. It's just like you're just going to pick an answer and there's no wrong answer. And like one of the first things is um, you're, you're playing this character named Conway and you have a, a dog with you throughout the game. And the first thing, uh, one of the first decisions you're, you're given is that you, you're, the game starts at a gas station and the blind man who is the gas station attendant asks you, he's like, oh, I see you've got a dog. What's their name? And then you just have uh, three options. The first one is um, his name is Homer. The second one is her name is Blue. And the third one is, I don't know, that's just, it's just some dog. And there's no reward for picking any other choice except for the intrinsic reward of the feeling of having that choice and making the choice and feeling like you made a good choice. Like I, I, I picked the name Blue. I said her name is Blue. But um, the playthrough that I was watching, which I will, I will link that in, in the, um, 
in the show notes for people who are curious about this but don't want to shell out the money for a game. <laughs> you know, just watching a playthrough is not quite the same, but it's almost as good because, as I said, there's no gameplay. You know, the person who did that playthrough, a YouTuber named uh, Moderwellens, she picked Homer as the name. And so it makes no impact on the game. It's just that throughout the... <laughs> Throughout the entire game, the dog just has a different name and gender. Oh, that does as a as a dog person, that does make a deep impact on <laughs> Well well yeah, it's it's um but, but I see what you mean. It's like it impacts how you see the story and how that carries through. It doesn't the game doesn't punish you for having a dog named whatever you've named it. Yeah, except I don't I don't know what ha- I've never like I don't know what happens if you say, Oh, it's just some dog. Like, I don't know if that means like, oh, it's not your dog and then it stops appearing in the rest of the game or if you just have like a cold and callous attitude <laughs> towards the dog. Um, and it's the kind of game that like makes makes it makes you think about like what it means for your choices to matter. Like we were talking about Undertale last week and in Undertale, like the choices you make in that game will affect the outcome uh, that you get. Uh, whereas in Kentucky Route Zero, it's like, do the choices you make matter? And I'm like, well, it matters to me. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think Conway would say this and not that like. <laughs> Those are actions that I, as a human being, am taking. And in that sense, they do kind of matter because they're mine. Anyway, it's a great game. Great game. You should play it. <laughs> I'm not, I don't mean you specifically. I mean the listener. The, the general listener. One, one should play it. Although <laughs> you should, but like one should play it. Although, like I said, I don't know if now is the right time for it because it's a very, I don't know, melancholy and, and tragic game about about capitalism. I find myself, I, this is unrelated, I find myself like having a lot of uh, pauses in conversation, not not just with you, but in life, because I've forgotten how to have a direct human conversation. So that happens sometimes. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I'm, conversations go sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to try and try and direct this conversation to an action item oh. for next week in a very clunky way. Um, this is me directing the conversation, uh, if that's okay. You thought that your video game was slightly sad and made you think about, yep, we're, <laughs> we're doing conversation. Uh, anyway, my action item um, is, if it is possible to do so in your area, uh, visit a cemetery, because I did it, and it was fun for me. Mm. It is a little bit about death, and it is... A little bit sad, but it is one of the few things. There's not a lot of people, and the people who are there, you are, by necessity, uh, more than six feet (laughs) from them. Either people or below ground uh, people, you are six feet above them, or they are six feet under you. Um, But it's also kind of nice, because it's, in my area, very spring, summery weather. And it's kind of like going to a park, but you can kind of see people, like, name descriptions um, in different parts of our cemetery. It's something I have done in want of a thing to to do that is safe to do that doesn't take a lot of uh, planning to make sure it's safe. And it is also, here's where I bring it back around to Homestuck, where you didn't <laughs> see it coming. Um, it is also um, my secret Homestuck action item because one of the... Uh, Roxy uh, is very fond of like she's always wanted to attend a funeral um, <laughs> mm. and is is very um, interested in that. But it takes a very long time before she's able to uh, attend a funeral. Uh, so visit a cemetery. Uh, you can you can make up your own funeral if you don't know anyone there. 
but that that is my <laughs> action item in my very uh, long long roundabout way of getting there. Uh, that's why I'm suggesting it. That, that is a good one. I feel like um, if it were earlier in the podcast run, like several weeks ago, I would not have felt as comfortable with an action item that's like go somewhere. <laughs> but I feel like we're at that point now where it's okay to do, go do these socially distant things. And I um, I don't know where the cemeteries around me are, so I will have to figure that out because I think I want to try to do this one. Yeah. I, I will say having gone to cemeteries during the day, like I, I've never – Maybe I'm not visiting the, like, hot and happening cemeteries, but I am not running into people there alive. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, um, do I, ha- I don't, I don't know if I want to add to the action. I think one's fine. One is fine. One is a good number of action items. All right. So I think, uh, I think that, that can wrap it up. I think that about wraps it up for another edition of Social Distance Warriors. Do you agree? Right. I, I do agree. Okay. I think that. A good one. So until next week, uh, we will stay distant. Go the distance. <laughs> <laughs>